is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. It's Friday, June 16th, and I'm in my Portland, Maine studio. Joining me from New Hampshire by phone is a very special guest, my father, Fred Dill. Hi, Dad. I'm so delighted to have you as a guest on my podcast heading into the Father's Day weekend, since you are one of the all-time greats. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Of course. Well, you have nine kids from a mixed marriage and what must be by now hundreds of grandchildren and great-grandchildren who love and greatly respect you. Before we get to your recipe for success as a father, just give us a little context. Talk about your family growing up and how it helps shape you now. Well, I'm the oldest of seven, and my mother... uh, same mother and father and there's a big age difference when my when i was a senior in high school and a senior in college my mother was pregnant which for a young boy young man whichever is something to deal with a little bit and uh but we we all got along as a family and ended up there were four boy four boy five boys two twin daughters and uh, my mother always wanted a girl, and after three boys, she had determined she wasn't going to have any more children, but then became pregnant, and she had already made all the plans for an adoption and had two girls, so the adoption has fell through at that point, and uh, they, she went on to have the other two boys. So it was an unusual family in the space between the youngest and the oldest. And are you close with your siblings now? Yes, we get together uh, every year for a sibling to get together, and some of us, where it's convenient, get together more often. My twin sisters live in a gated community in Florida, and they always were very close, and still are, of course. But uh, yes, we are close. And how would you describe your relationship with your father, who was a very influential uh, person in my life. What was it like being the oldest son of Fred Dill Sr. in Carmel, New York? Um, I never appreciated, I guess, his recognition and his, uh, the feelings that people in the community had for him and uh, until I was, you know, was father myself. He certainly was outspoken, but not ever belligerently or... Uh, negative he was always a sort of on a very positive and he was we can do it we'll set up a committee or we'll do this or we'll do that i can remember him saying we've got to go to church every sunday because very often i'm the only male there to be an usher and so with things that he uh, would let out kind of uh, blurt out almost and you would realize you know how important he was but also where his emphasis was church was a very important thing with him he uh it wasn't a matter of when you were why are you going to go to church it was you be in that car car at quarter of 10 and there was never any doubt about it you were there Uh, (laughs) so he he laid down the rules and he did it in such a way that we followed him i don't remember you know ever having confrontations I with him or any of the other kids. We just sort of accepted his word. And I think because of that, looking back, he was very fair. And so we were willing to go along with it. Well, based on what you know now, what what are some of the few ingredients to being a good father? 
I think it's important to let your children know where they stand and uh, know they know that you're going to back them up uh, no matter what. Even if you're wrong, they'll do the best to make the situation better, not that uh, they're going to keep uh, harping, harping, uh, that kind of thing. He was a very hard worker and set as an example for us, uh, the example to be a work work and uh produce and that was an important thing for him he was brought up brought up dirt poor uh but he uh worked his way through uh bentland college and set the example of you work hard and you'll be rewarded the word opportunity is one that i heard a lot from you growing up why is that well i i think there's I, I still to this day there's always opportunities and I think you have to be open to that and not just sit around and complain but look for a, an opportunity to do something and sometimes in a derogatory manner people say You're, that I'm a wheeler dealer well I just enjoy getting involved in things and solving problems uh, it's just right now I I give out mortgages to young people who can't get a mortgage from a bank in most cases because they don't have you know a record of paying their bills and working and this kind of stuff when they buy their first house or buy their first commercial vehicle or do something like that it's it's enjoyable to me to get involved in their situation and help them solve problems well well helping others succeed is is your trademark and uh, not it's as you said it's not just family it's it's friends and strangers what is it that drives you to want to help others do you think well uh being selfish i get a lot of enjoyment out of it uh and uh you're asking me questions now that i haven't thought of for a while (laughs) but uh yes uh, I, that's my selfish reason. I enjoy doing it. Uh, when I loan money, it's not I'm not street money with high interest or that kind of stuff. I do it to help somebody get started. And, and I really feel good when they pay it off and very often pay it off early And uh, because they have been able to succeed. And I just enjoy seeing that uh, kind of thing. I been in i think 10 or 11 partnerships with just you know two people together and over the years and uh one of my happy times was when we were closing out this uh, partnership and my partner ned platt at the time said you know i've been in eight or ten partnerships over the years and i've never ended one on a friendly manner like we are today well i felt that made me feel good I bet. So then you look for another opportunity to feel good. Well, our our family, speaking of feeling good, our family is a mix of pretty conservative Republicans and Democrats. And yet every year, a lot of us gather and have a lot of fun. And I think that's because of you. And uh, why is it so important to try to get along with people, do you think? Well, for selfish reasons, it's so much more fun and life is so much more pleasant when you're getting along. I know what you're talking about. You hear about families to get together and before they go, they've already decided what they're going to fight about. Uh, what, why go? Uh, just takes all the enjoyment out of it. We, we get together, we do have a good time. And 
Yeah, that's. But, but you even take it a step further because you are, I think, a New England um, a Republican and I'm, I'm a Democrat. And you can't, when I was a delegate for Hillary Clinton in 2016, you drove all the way to Rockingham, New Hampshire, just to give me some moral support and offered to take me out to lunch. So that's, that's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty well, good. Well, I look back on, on uh, the decisions of you, your generation going to college and. I guess I never realized what an influence college inf- uh, professors would have on my uh, <laughs> my family because a couple of them uh, and went the wrong schools. <laughs> <laughs> we, we won't yeah. we won't ask you for any names. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, you you're a big risk taker too. I mean, measured risks, but you bought a golf course, for instance, when you don't even play right. golf. How, how do you think about money and risk and taking risks, and do you recommend to people listening to, to take risks? I think you have to be of a mindset, yes. I, not everybody should do that. There are some people that would just second-guess themselves and be nervous wrecks. And, um, I, I've you know taken risks and made mistakes, and uh, you just once you realize you've made the mistake, then figure out how to bail out of it. And uh, that's, again, solving problems. I, I, I like that part of it. And, and, uh, and, and I just... had breakfast today with your brother, Jeffrey, and uh, we were talking, and I forget how we got on the subject, but I said, do you remember when we first came up to New Hampshire and you and I were delivering sheetrock at uh, 1230 at night because we told somebody we'd have it there when they went to work in the morning? And uh, so that was a problem, and the solution was we are going to work till we got it done. And, <laughs> and he's a chip off the old block, I'm glad to report. <laughs> yes, he is, and Shirley uh, uh, reminded him of that today. As a matter of fact, she said, I can't believe how much you are alike, you know, so yes. Well, t- talk about the role of, of positive thinking in your life. That's another thing that you've done. I think very well in terms of leading by example. Why? What is it about positive thinking that drives you? Well, I think that's probably partly due to my upbringing. My mother and father both felt that way, and uh, the power of positive thinking is associated with Norman Vincent Peale of Guidepost. And my father bought a, a true seminary, a private girls Methodist college, and or a prep school and got involved selling it to guidepost and help them get started and uh so it the positive thinking i guess is an association that you you get together with people that have the same kinds of attitudes does it come natural to you wake up every morning and positive or is it an effort i think it's pretty much i wake up in the morning and positive i you know wake up pretty religiously at five o'clock and I've never had, I shouldn't say never, I had an alarm clock when I went to college and somehow I didn't set it right and I was late for a class and I've never had one since then. <laughs> I can, somehow I can plan to get up at five or four or whatever and I don't have to set a clock. My mind works and somehow I wake up at the right time. <laughs> well, it just seems like you're doing a lot of things right. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add dad any pearls of wisdom you want to pass along to the people listening in in in, in uh, anticipation of father's day on sunday well you shouldn't 
make the best of every situation. I we're in a retirement uh, uh, environment, uh, independent living. And I think we're here and we got here at the right time because we serve, we're planning ahead and you should be thinking about when you get older or what the next step, next step is. If you've got uh, kids and you want that you want them to go to college, think of how you can help them to do it. Uh, and then it's not necessarily that you pay for it or they pay for it. There's a lot of other ways to be involved and help them make the choice if you want them to go and and uh, encourage them to go. And so that's, I think, being a parent is a very, uh, I was going to say taxing or tiring, but that, uh, I, that doesn't come across right. But a parent is, being a parent can be a lot of fun, but it also can be stressful. And you try to separate the two and not... Uh, you know, get into things that you shouldn't be into, but make yourself available. So if a child has a question, they feel comfortable talking to you as best you can. And I was thinking back to different situations with uh, the next generation. And it's been, I think, most, uh, most times when you had a problem, I heard about it and uh, was able to get involved if I wanted to. And some of them, of course, there was nothing I could do about it. But, you know, whether it's boyfriends and girlfriends or it's financial or, you know, are picked on in school or those kinds of things, if you're, if they know you'll listen, I think that's a real uh, plus. Well, you've always been there for me, Dad. If I don't talk to you on Father's Day, happy Father's Day. I love you. Uh, love you too and thank you for making me available <laughs> alright dad I'll talk to you soon take care All right.